The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. This is our usual weekly episode, our fantasy centric episode, but instead of being joined by Drew Silva, this week I have another one of our Roto World writers, Ryan Boyer, here. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, man. Uh, spring training starting to get in full swing here. Tim Tebow's on my TV, so. <laughs> Everything is right in the baseball world. Right. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting. He he created four outs and, what, three at-bats or, or whatever. Uh, he hit into a double play and got a standing ovation, which I don't think I've ever seen that before. But, there we uh, go. Uh, he got a run in on that play, and then later he got hit by a pitch, and then he got doubled off first base. So uh, it was an eventful day, uh, to Perfect. say the least. Yeah. Um, but great to have you here. Um, and the reason Ryan is here is because we're going to break down the Yahoo Friends and Family Mixed League draft, which went down Tuesday afternoon. And Ryan won the whole darn thing last year. So uh, the defending champ is here to break down the draft, his strategy, stuff like that. I finished sixth last year, but I should say I won this league in two out of the previous three years. So Roto World has held its own in this league, and hopefully we'll keep it going this year. But before we get into that, just a quick reminder to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. So whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Audio Boom, we have you covered. Okay, so just a little background about the Yahoo Friends and Family League. It's a 14-team league, mixed league, up from 12 teams we had last year. We've had as many as 15 teams in this league before, so it really varies from year to year. Familiar names in this league, if you follow other fantasy writers, all the guys from Yahoo, Razball, uh, Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson from Rotowire here, Fred Zinke from MLB.com. This is his first first year in the league. And uh, Roto Pat, who you might know from Roto World Football, he's also in this league. Yes, he writes about football, but he's a big baseball guy too. Yet another Cardinals fan on the Roto World staff. <laughs> so uh, it's a fun group. Um, as for the format, um, one catcher, four outfielders, there's middle infielder spot, quarter infielder spot, two utility spots, and there's a 1,400 innings cap. So this league really prioritizes the strikeout, which you'll notice a little later with some of the picks. Waivers are wide open, so there's an acquisitions cap. It's at 100 right now, but I think it was a little higher last year, so not sure if that'll change, but most owners don't go over that, even with the waiver wire being a free-for-all. So 
Um, what do you want to do first? Um, should we get into the first round before jumping into the other stuff? Uh, sure. Let's do it. Okay. So there weren't a ton of shocking things here, but uh, obviously Mike Trout, number one. But in this league, it's not really a sure thing because Clayton Kershaw went number two. Um, and that matters in this league. If Do you want to explain why? Yeah, I mean, that was really the most interesting you know, thing I was looking forward to to see where, where Kershaw went. Uh, I think I had the first pick last year, and I picked Trout. And I, I want to say that at least a couple other guys said in the chat that they would have would have taken Kershaw number one. And this year I was you know, kind of secretly hoping maybe he would fall to like six, but I also remember seeing uh, Erickson and I think one of the labor leagues took Kershaw like second overall. So, mm-hmm. and he's, he's was sitting at five right in front of me. So I, I was pretty sure Kershaw wasn't going to fall to me, but basically, you know, you mentioned the innings cap and some leagues will have an innings cap. That's not super strict and you don't have to pay that close attention to it. But this league is not like that at all. You really have to keep a close eye on it. And really the goal is to just to uh, maximize the quality of your innings and obviously no one is better at that than Kershaw. And even with the back issue last year, I mean, there's just such a gap between him and the other pitchers that, you know, in your standard 12-team 5-by-5, he's still going to go in the top seven picks usually. But in this league, he's a threat to go number one and ended up, ended up going number two. Yeah, I think last year it was Trout, Harper, and then I picked third and I took Kershaw. Um, and for, there you the, go. for the first half of the year, I was thrilled about that because Kershaw was amazing um but then he had the back injury and missed a couple of months and I slid quickly in the standings my plan was to trade him and get a bat but I never got an opportunity to do that um Mm. but rolling on with the rest of the first round Mookie Betts who most expect to be number two in most drafts this year he's number three here uh Chris Bryant number four Nolan Arenado number five I think there's some debate between those two uh, I actually like Bryant uh, a little better than Arenado, and I like that because just the positional sort of eligibility that he offers, first base, third base, outfield, I think that's really handy to have over the course of a season. I think Arenado will probably drive in more runs because of course field, but uh, Bryant's my pick there. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's a good point on the positional versatility. I have Arenado just slightly above him, but it's it's a razor thin margin you can't go wrong with either one yeah i think if you get either one you're going to be pretty happy you're going to be set up set up pretty well in your draft um you had uh you took jose altuve six um what went into your thinking there over you know goldschmidt machado guys like that well there's in in your kind of standard league i think there's a pretty consensus top seven this year between and they those seven guys did go one through seven in this league uh, I actually have Altuve as my number three overall player. And to be honest, I've kind of waffled back and forth between Betts at two and Altuve at two. But right now I have Betts at two and Altuve at three. So, you know, him falling to six and, you know, Bryant and Arenado going ahead of him pretty much made my decision for him, for me. So, right. Uh, so Goldschmidt did go at seven, uh, Machado at eight, and Machado has the shortstop eligibility. So that's pretty handy. Also, um, yeah. Anthony Rizzo at nine, 
Uh, Bryce Harper at 10, um, you know, a year removed from being number two, but we know why he's dropped, but still has amazing upside if he stays I'm not, I'm not, su- I'm not surprised that Harper went 10, but I was actually surprised that it was Pianowski that took him at 10. He, he's generally, he's generally a risk averse type of, type of owner, especially in the early rounds. Yeah. But, you know, obviously Harper showed in 2015 that what he can do when he's, when he's fully healthy. So. Yeah, it wouldn't shock anyone if he had a similar season to what he had two years ago. So um, I was number 11. I took Trey Turner. And, uh, you know, I I bought, I bought in on that half season of pro- elite production. Um, Me too. Which I'm not, you know, I'm expecting some regression. I mean, how could there not be regression after what he did last year? But I still think Trey Turner has a pretty safe floor because of the speed that he has. Um, so I felt all right with willing, I'm willing to take that risk. And also he's going to qualify at shortstop soon and also qualifies at second base and in the outfield. I just really like having versatile players on my roster, especially in a deep league like this, where injuries are going to pop up. You're going to need to plug players in different places. So I just, I went for it with him. Did you feel that, uh, that decision was kind of made for you with how the draft fell at that point? Or did you consider Donaldson or Cabrera maybe? I was thinking about Donaldson, but you know, I I think maybe the calf slightly scared me off a little bit. But it feels like yeah. it's it seems he's going to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I think like if Harper had fell, I would have taken Harper. You know, um, but no, nah, I mean, I think just the way it fell, it just seemed like the obvious sort of upside play for me. So uh, sure, I, I would have done the same. So yep. Uh, so Miguel Cabrera at twelve. Um, and Donaldson went at 13 and Charlie Blackman 14. Um, and I like that Blackman pick. I think Blackman is my, if I remember right, I think he's my fourth outfielder, my number four outfielder for me. Um, and so I don't I think, think I, I think I actually have him at three. Really? So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, a, I think with Coors Field and what he's proven, I think after his first sort of breakout year, people were expecting significant regression, but He's been pretty consistent, uh, actually keeps improving. Uh, so I like him there. Yeah, and Bud Black says he wants him to run more this year. Apparently mm-hmm. he he dealt with leg issues, he said, uh, like basically on and off the whole year last year, which I don't remember them being very public about that. But I guess it's good to know at some point that maybe that affected his stolen bases. He went from, what, 43 to 17 last year, made up for it with the home runs. But Right, you know, like you said, he's going to bat at top of what should be a an awesome lineup, and maybe he doesn't hit twenty home runs again. But you know, if he hits high teens and gets up above thirty steals again, he's going to be a he'll, he'll be a borderline first round or late or for late first early second round kind of guy. Yeah, that sounds fair. Um, and just the early part of the second round, uh, let's see, Xander Bogarts, uh, which I was a little surprised by. Um, Carlos Correa, Madison Bumgarner. Um, then it swung back to me. I took Noah Syndergaard, who's my number two pitcher this year. So uh, I went for the upside with him. Uh, Francisco Lindor. And I think that just to go back to Syndergaard, I think Syndergaard actually is. I have Bumgarner as my two guy, number two guy this year. With uh, just with this, we're going to get to the Scherzer thing in a bit, but with yeah. the finger injury. But I think with the the whole reason I have Bumgarner just slightly above Syndergaard is the innings thing. Yeah. And that concern is kind of mitigated a little bit in this format. So the, in this 
particular format, I would put Syndergaard number two. So hmm. I, I think you got him in a good spot. Just the rest of the second round, Corey Seager, six, Chris Sale, seven, Odor, uh, Rugnan Odor at eight, Max Scherzer was ninth in the second round. Uh, so he fell a little bit, probably because of the, the finger issue that he's dealing with. Yeah, and I ended up with him in the at that nine spot right. in the second round. There you go. And yeah, it's the finger thing is, I, I guess he's with the three three excuse me the three fingered grip, the altered fastball grip, doesn't give him any any discomfort with that finger. But obviously, it's until he gets in a game, you have no idea how that's gonna affect yeah. his affect his results, and. Obviously, the hope is that the that pain will eventually go away. He can go back to his to his regular grip. But I just felt like at that point in the second round that he was worth the risk. So um, it's probably going to make. I mean, if it's going to make or break my season, then you know we'll see. But fingers crossed. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea if that's a big deal or not, to be honest. I, I don't know uh, the three-finger grip as opposed to the two-finger grip. If that's going to really make much difference at all. Or or like you said, if he, eventually he's going to just feel more comfortable and go back to the regular grip. But yeah. that's something we'll have to, to keep an eye on, uh, you know, once he gets into actual spring training games. Um, rest of the second round, Corey Kluber went right after Scherzer. Uh, Robinson Cano, Joey Votto, uh, Starling Marte, and you Darvish, who I'm all about Darvish this year. Yeah, it's all about the innings. I mean, if he can, if he's going to give, if you say before the season he's going to give you 220 innings, you know, you might move him up a couple of spots. He's going to give you a ton of strikeouts. His velocity was actually up last year, and uh, I think his walks were were down as well. They were. Yeah, so, which is really encouraging considering coming back from Tommy John surgery. I thought maybe the control would be going the other way the first year back. We do see that sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I think there were big positives to take away from his season. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, this is like this is a walk year for him. He's going to be a free agent uh, this this and, offseason. And, he, and he's going to be like the could be like the free agent, too. So, yeah, so this is a you know, big year. You never know how the walk year thing factors in but it's certainly something to to mention and could be could be a good factor in his in his way so yeah uh so we're not going to go through every round but um i was curious a couple of players you may have noticed who slipped further than you anticipated a couple of players you think could be uh great values uh outside of our picks yeah so one guy that i going into the draft that i really wanted was Rich Hill and a big reason why is the reason I mentioned earlier with the innings thing not being as big of a factor uh, because I mean the we know the big concern with Hill is he threw what 110 innings last year and that was his highest since like 2007 or something yeah so and he's you know but the blister thing is because he throws so many curveballs it's a pretty good chance that they're going to come up again. But, I mean, if you get even, say, 110 to 140 innings out of him, and he's as good as he was last year, like, that's super valuable in this league. Mm-hmm. And let me let's double check here. What did he end up going? So he went in the eighth round. Eighth round, the seventh pick of the eighth round, which was 
I want to say like two picks before my pick, and I had him all queued up and ready to go. And I'm, mm. I was kicking myself for not going after him sooner. I I think because uh, earlier in the draft I missed out on a couple of the relievers that I wanted. Yeah, and I I ended up taking back to back relievers, and I probably would have used one of those spots on Hill. But you know, sometimes when you're when you're sniped earlier in a round, it kind of backfires on you in later rounds as well so just kind of a domino effect right so you you ended up with cody allen and uh roberto azuna is that right yep okay yeah there and, were, and I, cam bedrosian if he if he closes um, we'll see right yeah at a certain point in the draft i i really wanted rossell iglesias or aj ramos that's who i was i had queued up basically and they fell uh, within a few picks of each other, and then I ended up with Sam Dyson as my second closer, which I hate. Um, I think he's not even maybe the third most talented pitcher in that bullpen. Um, yeah. So I think he's a guy who maybe during, during even the first half, if he has a few a string of bad appearances, I could see him losing his job. But um, we'll see how it plays out. But I think he's probably the last of a guy you'd be like, all right, I'll take it. I think after that, yeah. it really drops off pretty sharply. Yeah, and he's not a super high strikeout guy for a closer either, which right. you want you want high strikeouts in this league too. Right. And Bedrosian, you know, I'm happy with the Bozuna, Allen, and hopefully Bedrosian is a third closer. But you know, I, I had to take Bedrosian in the 11th round, which just goes to show you how yeah. different relievers are in this league. I mean, he's he's going to go what maybe in the 20th round, maybe later in your standard league. So. You know, Houston Street's hurt, so but Pedrosian's actually coming back from an injury of his own. But he's, I think, the most talented guy in that bullpen, so hopefully he gets the job. Right. Yeah, I felt a little better about taking Dyson because I, I got Noah Syndergaard, and then I got Craig Kimbrell as my number one closer, so it gave me a little bit of a cushion to, to deal with it. Uh, but I still wasn't thrilled <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but I, th- I feel like in this league, as long as you start out with two closers especially with 14 teams now you're probably going to be okay and then you can just you know speculate on guys and just start grabbing people off the waiver wire and you'll you'll make it through the year pretty okay and it's the it's a a first come first serve type of type of waiver so yep it it kind of benefits us when we're (laughs) (laughs) we're we're basically sitting on twitter all day anyway so yeah we see if we see some some closer news we can rush over there and Right. grab the new closer for a yeah. team so maybe that's why roto world does so well in this league <laughs> that could be it could be we're providing the news and scooping up guys <laughs> on waiver wire there have been a few times when i've gone and scooped up a player before finishing a blurb <laughs> so, so now we now we see how it goes it's it's out there i might as well admit it but um <laughs> A couple of nice values that I saw, or potential nice values. Uh, Fred Zinke, who's new in this league from MLB.com, he took a chance on two injured guys right now. Uh, he got David Price at pick 114, and then a round later, he got Jason Kipnis at pick, uh, I think it was a round later, maybe two rounds later, Jason Kipnis at pick 139. Um, so, you know, those are risky choices, but... At that point in in that draft, I mean, that's I think that's great. I think you have to take a chance on those guys. Yeah, I think so. Especially the the Kipnis the Kipnis pick. I I remember him. He was sitting at the the top of the Yahoo 
default rankings for a really long time. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and you know, Price at that point, I, I don't know what number starting pitcher he ended up being going off the board. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to say for our staff rankings, he ranged from after the injury ranged from like eleven to twenty one. I think you were actually low on lowest on him at twenty one. I am at nineteen. Okay, on among starters, but you know at that point in the draft, it's it's definitely an excellent gamble. Yeah, if I had to estimate, I w- I mean I don't I can't I should have looked that up and seen uh, which number starting pitcher he was off the board, but it feels like it would probably be around that twenty range. Uh, yeah. And that sounds about right, given what we know. The latest we know is that he could throw as soon as this weekend, which kind of surprised me a little bit uh, to hear that. But what's so weird about this is how vague the Red Sox are being. I still don't even know what is the actual injury. Like, what is the actual problem? And then I heard the Red Sox say he has a unique elbow. And when I hear <laughs> when I hear that, I think R.A. Dickey, who didn't have a, a ulnar collateral ligament. Yeah, we don't want him that unique. Um, so yeah, I have no idea what to think with David Price, but for me, you know, I'm generally where I have him 21st among starters. I'm probably not going to get a chance to draft him this year. Um, but I think if you're at that point in a draft pick 114, yeah, I think that's absolutely worth a shot. Um, another pick I liked, uh, Jose Peraza, uh, he went off the board at 133. Um, and I was anticipating him going a bit higher. Uh, qualifies in multiple positions. We know he has this starting spot now, uh, the speed. Uh, I thought I was expecting him to go within the top 100 picks. So uh, I'm not, I can't remember what the pre-draft ranking was, but I think maybe that pushed him down the board a little bit. Yeah, it could have been. Like like you mentioned before, it's the, the multi-position eligibility is huge. He should, he's probably going to hit second in that lineup after Billy Hamilton, before Joey Votto. And so that's not a great Reds lineup, but that's a pretty decent spot to be in and probably good for average and a bunch of stolen bases. He, he wasn't that efficient with stolen bases last year, but right. I think he'll, he'll definitely run. So yeah, I, I agree. That's a pretty good value for him. Um, any other picks off the board that you were surprised by either in a positive way or a negative way? Um, I won't say that I'm, I mean, by the ADP wise, it wasn't a huge reach, but I just can't bring myself to get on board with Brian Dozier in the early third round. I I just don't think that, I mean, at that, when you're taking him at that point in the draft, he almost has to have a full repeat from last year. I think he finished uh, like number 24, I believe, among or maybe it was, I looked it up last night, I think it was 24th among hitters last year. Hmm. So when you're when you're in the top of the third round, it's, you know, maybe that that last four months is at least somewhat real, but I don't know. And second base is so deep that That's there, true. there are at least a, a couple guys that I would have that were taken after Dozier that I'd rather have. And, you know, you can find uh, really quality second baseman like, a dozen rounds later so that's one pick that not necessarily surprised me but it's just one that i you know don't really approve of i was actually a little surprised that uh you got gary sanchez as late as you did me too Uh, i I think posey went like 20 picks ahead of him or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah so 
Yeah, so, so I, I my major storyline with my team is that I have uh, Sanchez and Trey Turner. So uh, I bought in on the two guys who had you know the amazing <laughs> second half last year. So uh, really, I'm I'm going to either win or lose with these guys. But another the thing, go go big or go home strategy. Yeah, exactly. But what I like <laughs> about Sanchez is even if he, I mean, he is going to regress. I mean, he's not going to hit home runs at the pace he did last year because if he did. He'd be hitting 80 home runs or something crazy like that. But um, I'm expecting regression. I worry a little bit about the strikeout rate, so I'm not expecting a high batting average. But he's another guy who offers, to me, a safe floor. I still think he's going to hit for power. I still think he'll probably, if not lead all catchers in home runs, uh, you know, be right in that general area. So in Yankee Stadium with that, I mean, the lineup isn't great, but uh, good setting there. And also in the AL East, I felt might as well go for it at that point. Yeah, I, I I think you got him in a good spot, and I know uh, Matthew Pouliot is super high on on Gary Sanchez this year. I, I don't even think it's terribly close. He has him as the as the top catcher, and it's not not that close. So, like you said, the batting average is going to come down a little. He swings and misses quite a bit, but he had a really high hard hit rate last year, and mm-hmm. he hits a lot of fly fly balls, and it's just a really good setting for him. He can DH on days he doesn't catch so his legs should be able to stay relatively fresh for a for a catcher anyway so yeah i think he's a really good pick at that spot what did you think and i'm gonna not not really pick on roto pat but uh sixth round he took andrew benintendi uh took a shot on him there um do you think that's too early or do you think it's just right how are you feeling about him this year i have uh benintendi ranked fairly high uh compared to the rest of our our staff, but that's a little early, a little aggressive for me. I think the the worry for roto leagues is that he's going to be kind of a better real life player than a roto guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like he's he's not a great power guy. He's not a great speed guy. He should be a solid in both areas. There's also a little bit of worry. I think that he might be platooned. Right. Uh, Chris Young playing playing left field. So, you know. If you're high on Ben Tenney, that you you might have to reach at that point. I think you maybe could have waited a round or two, but I don't think it's going to make or break his draft. He's probably he's probably pulled the trigger a little too soon. Yep. Um, okay. So at this point, do you want to just run down your team and then I'll do mine? Sure. Actually, before we do that, can we talk about uh, Pianowski's team? Because he. <laughs> oh right, yes. He always has a, the, some strategy. The, Go for the it. Pian- the Pianowski strategy. Yeah. I'm just curious to to delve into this. Let me scroll down to his team here. So he didn't take a single starting pitcher. Okay, I think he, he, I think he, the same thing happened last year, right? Yeah, and he let's see, the first reliever he took was Dylan Batances in the ninth round. Then he followed that up with Sean Kelly in the tenth. Then he got Luke Gregerson in the 17th, uh, Sean Doolittle in the 18th, and Pedro Strope in the 26th. So that's, what, six relievers mm-hmm. and zero starters. So he's got six whole pitchers on his team, <laughs> which we have we have nine spots, right? Yeah. And, you know, he he's done this for a few years now, and he usually does well in the league. So yeah. uh, maybe it's a... Maybe it's a strategy that we – I usually don't uh, go use those kind of extreme strategies in leagues, but 
you know, he knows what he's doing and he usually does well in the league. So, and not that it's the be all end all, but I do keep a an eye on the projected standings that Yahoo does is where you go you go through the draft. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think his team was actually at the top. So, wow. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, that that really puts a focus on uh, the innings cap and really right. ma- maximizing your innings with strikeouts. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to load his team up with bats, which he can later use to likely trade for starting pitchers as it gets into the second half and, and down the stretch. Sure. He does a lot of streaming. He'll pick up like if there's a you know a hot prospect that comes up and has a couple good starts, he may pick him up. So um, his strategy evolves during the season, but getting mm-hmm. those getting those relievers who strike out a lot of guys uh, can give you a little bit of cushion in strikeouts, so you can start to balance that and get wins and whatever whatever else you might need. So he always has an interesting strategy, and you're right, he's usually always near the top of the standings. I, I hey hats off to him if he can do it. I'm not. I just can't be that bold. I just like having a balanced team. That's just me. Agreed. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I'll I'll go ahead and dive into to my team now if you want me to. Go uh, ahead. So we covered the first two picks. Got Jose Jose Altuve in the first round. Uh, Max Scherzer in the second round. Took Ryan Braun in the third round. I think I'm a little bit higher in Braun than than most people, but you know if he gives me. 135 plus games at least, which he he has the last three years. Uh, it seems like he's healthy right now too. So, yeah, this is the first time, and I, I think one at least two off seasons that he's hasn't been rehabbing an injury. So that, that should be a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Johnny Cueto in the fourth. Cueto loses a little bit of value in this league because he's not a super high strikeout guy. But I felt at that point in the draft it was a pretty good spot for him, and obviously. ERA and whip counts too, so <laughs> and he's going to be great at those. Yep. Uh, Kyle Seeger, I thought I got at a pretty good spot in the fifth round. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy in the sixth. So that was the yeah he was the third third catcher or actually a fourth catcher off the board because Schwarber's eligible catcher, which is crazy, Yahoo. but okay. <laughs> That's great <laughs> yeah. if you can get him. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and then came time for my closers got robert roberto ozuna in the seventh uh cody allen in the eighth odubel Odu, herrera a personal favorite in the ninth i really wanted him actually so yeah i, I yeah. like having him on all my teams just because he does a little bit of everything so i'm a fan and he's just uh like he's he's one of my favorite real life players too it's just it's fun to have those guys in your roster true uh lance mccullers in the 10th uh he's another guy who could be boosted a little bit by this format because he's such a high strikeout guy and you know the biggest concern with him is injury and that isn't quite as big of a deal in this league uh cam bedrosian in the 11th alemis diaz in the 12th keon broxton in the 13th uh another personal sleeper favorite of mine yeah i feel like he's a huge roto world favorite uh this year so yeah yeah, especially with uh, Craig Council talking about maybe hitting him first or second. But, nice. You know, Broxton got off to a horrible start last year, but then closed really strong. So o- only worry is that, for me anyway, is that Lewis Brinson is kind of knocking on the door so he could take take that job at some point. But right. uh, got Randall Gridchick in the 14th, which uh, <clears throat> that was a pick that I almost had to make at that point because I thought I, I was a little light on power. Uh, so 
kind of hoping that Grichik busts out in a, a big power way this year, which could happen. Raja Davis, a guy I like for speed this year. Mike Napoli, ugh. But <laughs> that's, that just shows you that I waited a little too long on first base right there. Yeah. Uh, so I kept getting sniped on, on first base and left and right. And, you know, Napoli is, if he does, does what he did last year, then that'll be just fine. But, you know, he, he played in a career high in games last year and he really faded as the year went along. So at least he's in Texas. <clears throat> right. And, and, you know, should hit in the middle of the lineup. So, yeah. uh, Matt Shoemaker in the 17th, I got Curtis Granderson in the 18th. Carlos Rodon is going to probably uh, have a great ERA, a bunch of strikeouts, and seven wins this year. <laughs> in the 19th, uh, Starling Castro in the 20th. Blake Trinan, here's where I kind of go on a little run of uh, good relievers who may or may not get a chance to close. You know, I, I'm a Sean Kelly fan, but mm-hmm. there's an injury history there. and That's you know, true. Blake Trinan's pretty good, so... It, it, at the very least, is going to give me some decent ratios. Same deal with Carl Edwards Jr. He may or may not be second in line uh, for saves there, and obviously there's a an injury concern with uh, Wade Davis going back to last year. Yeah, could could be Hector Rondon, could be Carl Edwards Jr., maybe Strope, but Edwards gets a ton of strikeouts, so he's pretty handy to have. Yeah, I league. had I had Edwards queued up right before you took him. So there, there you go. So thanks. uh i ended up going with uh danny valencia in the 23rd who he could be a handy guy to have in this league he's eligible at first third in the outfield and then obviously uh corner infield as well and he's gonna play every day against uh lefties and i think between vogelbach at first base and gerard dyson and left there's a pretty decent chance he might be end up playing fairly regularly even more so than just against lefties but anyway the the 23rd round i think that's a pretty pretty decent guy to have uh 24th uh daniel norris uh 25th ryan dull another good reliever who he might be the best guy in that bullpen but he's probably like fifth in line for saves i would say but yeah that situation's a mess yeah it, it, the very least is going to give me you know a decent era and whip and strikeouts and 26th round to close it off i got kenny's vargas at that that's just me trying to taking a dart throw and a guy who might get, you know, 25 home runs. So, sure. Um, so I already said I had Turner and Syndergaard. Um, my third round pick was Edwin Encarnacion, which I wasn't really thrilled about, but, um, I wanted some, he slid a little bit though. So it was a pretty decent value. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, but I just wanted a little bit of power, um, since I picked Trey Turner first and I kind of really don't buy the power that he showed last year. So what, and I picked a pitcher too. So I wanted to get some power. Uh, the next round, uh, fourth round, I got, uh, Yuana Cespedes, uh, which was, I was really happy about, not just cause I'm a Mets fan, but, uh, he fell to 46th overall, which I felt was a great value. So, I was fine with that. Gary Sanchez in the fifth round. So again, more power. Um, Craig Kimbrell, I took uh, after a bunch of closers started coming off the board. Uh, I wanted Edwin Diaz. That's who I was hoping to get. Again, strikeouts. Um, But Kimbrell, you know, he's going to get me plenty of strikeouts too if he's healthy. Uh, Got Masahiro Tanaka in the seventh round. Um, And I was just looking out for ERA whip there. Uh, Every season he's been in the States, really low whip. So 
even though maybe the strikeout potential isn't there, again, I balanced my roster a bit with Syndergaard and Kimbrell, so I felt pretty good about him. Um, Mike Kyle Franco, I got in the eighth round. Uh, I didn't love that. I wanted Anthony Rendon. Um, But I think, you know, he's a guy who has decent power, uh, and I think we we probably still haven't seen his best season yet. Uh, He's still pretty young. Um, ninth round, I got Lorenzo Cain, uh, just to get a little bit more speed. Uh, so, you know, that's fine. Uh, Sam Dyson was my 10th round pick, uh, 11th and 12th round. I went back to back and got James Paxton and Kevin Gosman, uh, two guys who, you know, I feel they're potential full season breakout kind of guys. Paxton has always been about, um, staying healthy. And he's had a bunch of weird injuries over the years. Um, yeah. But you look at what he did last year with that uh, velocity uptick. I'm really uh, interested and excited to see what he could do if he stays healthy for a full year. And Paxton and Gossman both should you know, give you a decent amount number of strikeouts too. So that's a good spot for them. Uh, Elvis Andrews I got in the 13th round. And that was just about getting some speed. Uh, a little more speed, a middle infielder. Um, because at that point in the draft, I hadn't taken a second baseman yet. Uh, so Trey Turner qualifies at second base. So I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll just leave Turner at second base and take Andrews as my shortstop. I ended up taking Carlos Gomez in the 14th round. And then I got Neil Walker in the 15th round. So then I could just slot Trey Turner at shortstop, Neil Walker at second, Elvis Andrews at shortstop. And I'm pretty happy with that arrangement. Um, 16th round, I got Tommy Joseph, who I like as a sleeper power guy this year. Uh, you look at what he did basically in a half a season's worth of at bats last year. Pretty, pretty useful player. Um, really came out of nowhere. Uh, but now he gets the full-time job. I think the question is, how is he going to perform, um, in those everyday at bats? But the Phillies are going to give him every opportunity to do that. So took the shot there. Um, Ended up with Nick Castellanos in the 17th round, um, Joe Ross in the 18th round, who is a guy who, uh, on our Roto World rankings, um, Matthew Pouliot really likes him a lot. Um, You know, in the National League, the easier league, um, had some injury issues during the second half last year, but I like him a lot too. Yeah, I like Ross too. Like like you said, there was an an elbow injury, I believe. I think he only had through a handful of innings in the second half, but... He's going to give you a good ERA and, and whip if he's if he's healthy. There's a lot of sliders, like his just like his brother. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a not so good for his elbow probably in the long run. But if he does stay healthy, that's that's a good value for him. Um, Chris Owings in the 19th round, and uh, this is a guy has eligibility between shortstop and the outfield. So uh, just a little more useful player to have on my roster at that point. Um, and then at this point I get into kind of dart throwing, uh, Santiago Casilla in the 20th round. Again, one of a handful of pitchers who could get saves in Oakland. Uh, 21st round, I got Robert Gazelman, who I like a lot. Um, he hasn't been lights out this spring so far, but I think he's the favorite for the fifth, uh, fifth starter job. Zach Wheeler is going to start the year in extended spring training. So I think he has a lot of talent. I think he could run away with that job and be a decent sleeper. Uh, 22nd round, I got Jorge Soler. Um, and he was a guy I was expecting to see be picked earlier. Um, you know, has been sort of a a flop, I guess you could say hasn't lived up to expectations so far in the majors, but Mm -hmm. 
going to get regular at bats with the Royals uh, this season. So I liked him there, taking a chance on the power potential. 23rd round, I took David Phelps. He's not a threat for saves, I don't think, but he's a guy who should give me some strikeouts. Um, so again, maximizing innings. 24th round, Anthony DiSclefani, likely to start the year on the DL, but that's fine with me. Um, I like putting players in DL spots. Then I have a free roster spot. can go get, go. Some, go get someone off the waiver wire. So I usually like to try to get at least someone I know starting the year on the DL. Uh, just gives me more options. Uh, mm-hmm. 25th round, uh, Mauricio Cabrera, uh, hard-throwing young uh, right-hander out of the Braves bullpen, a guy who, who knows, he could be a threat for saves at some point, depending on what happens with that team. But again, another guy who could give me strikeouts. Um, 26th round, Alex Dickerson with the Padres. Their outfield's pretty interesting. I don't know how exactly it's going to shake out. Um, but he showed some pretty good pop um, as a rookie last year. Um, kind of a, not really a prospect necessarily, but um, intriguing enough production uh, for me to take a chance on a late outfielder. But again, when you get in these late rounds, a lot of these players are just going to be dropped and you pick someone else up. So, Yeah, I think it's as long as he's healthy, I think he's a little nicked up right now. I think they want him to to win the left field job. Uh, it would surprise me, unfortunately, that if Manny Margot makes the opening day roster, I think they're going to they, – the Padres aren't trying to win. They really have no incentive to you know, get the clock going on on Margot. So I think they're going to put Jankowski in center and delay Margot a little bit and keep Dickerson in left and Renfro in right. That probably makes sense. I think we'll probably see Margot maybe the end of April, early early May, something like yeah. that. We saw him a little bit, uh, I think, the final couple of weeks last year. So I think mm-hmm. it's just a matter of doing the math as far as his service time. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, I'm, I really like Margot a lot. Um, the speed that he shows on the bases, he's a guy who you should definitely keep an eye on. Maybe you shouldn't draft in a standard mixed league, but someone to keep an eye on and for when he's called up because he can he can really pile up some stolen bases. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's all I got. Unless you have any other observations, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's about it for me as well. Cool. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Remember, we'll be back again next Friday with another one of our weekly fantasy-centric episodes. In the meantime, we'll do more of our team check-in episodes. Uh, I think we have about nine teams left to cover before opening day, so keep an eye out for that. Also remember the Roto-World Baseball Draft Guide magazine is in stores now. There's also an online version, which will be constantly updated leading into opening day. It's loaded with everything you need to get ready for your fantasy draft, over 1,000 player profiles and projections, columns on sleepers, busts, prospects. There's average draft position data, a mock draft analysis. It goes on and on, but it's the best way to put you ahead of your competition before draft day. Go to rotoworld.com for more information. If you want to get in touch with this show, you can email rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, the email address is rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Any feedback, fantasy questions, get in touch with us there. I'm on Twitter at DJ Short. Ryan is on Twitter at Ryan P. Boyer. And I will see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.